All right. Well, today we're going to continue our series on Galatians. And um, just a quick recap. Paul wrote the letter. He wrote it to the to uh, the church that he had planted whenever he was on his first missionary journey. Now he's writing a letter back to the Galatians because they were having problems with these false teachers. They were teaching a false doctrine. And so he was trying to um, to help them. And the main theme of Galatians is his attempt to protect the spiritual freedom that the Galatians had stepped into by receiving the gospel. In the first week, we talked about liberating grace. How many of you love the grace of God? Isn't the grace of God refreshing? It's fresh air, isn't it? In Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. There's really no spiritual freedom outside of the grace of God. Amen? The more you walk in the grace of God, the more spiritual freedom you're going to enjoy. Now, in week two, we talked about maintaining your freedom. And in Galatians 5, 1, Paul, uh, talking to the Galatians, he said, It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So Paul was encouraging the Galatians not give up their freedom, to stand firm and to maintain their their place of freedom. And so Paul then unpacks that thought, and he gives us three keys to maintaining your freedom, which we talked about last week. Number one, we have to seek to please God rather than man. Number two, we must live an authentic Christian life, no hypocrisy, amen? And then number three, we must live a crucified life. We got to learn to die to ourselves. We got to learn to die to sin and we got to learn to die to the world. And then we can please God and we can live in the liberty and freedom of the Lord. Amen. Now today we're going to talk about the main ingredient. What is the main ingredient? I mean, you know, the main ingredient is what makes a recipe a recipe, right? It's the most essential ingredient to achieve the desired result. How many cooks we have in here today? You know, I, I'm a wannabe cook. But anyway, if you want to make a chicken casserole, what's the main ingredient for a chicken casserole? <laughs> you smart. I mean, you must all be cooks in here, right? If you want to make shrimp jambalaya, what's the main ingredient? In a food recipe, <laughs> somebody said the kitchen sink. <laughs> In a food recipe, the main ingredient is the most essential ingredient to make the recipe possible, right? If you want to make gumbo, what's the most essential ingredient? Oh, man, there's some kajans in here right now, I tell you. You know, you can't have gumbo without the the essential ingredient of roux, right? You know, years ago, Tanya and I, we decided to take a little road trip and went to uh, Natchitoches uh, where they... That, is that where the lights are, the Christmas lights in Natchitoches? And so Tanya and I, and I think, I don't know if Olivia was with us, but but anyway, we went to see the lights, and it was cold, and it was it was really cool, you know. The city, you know, that little quaint community is lit up, and, and so it's cold. And, and so we went to see the lights, and then we said, man, let's go get something to eat. So we went to this restaurant, and we said, let's get some gumbo, right? And so they served us the gumbo, and whenever they delivered it to us, we looked down at it, and it was red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool, y'all, that. But we said, no, 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 that's not gumbo, that's soup. Right? Because to have gumbo, you got to have some roux, amen? And so anyway, the main ingredient is what makes the recipe and the outcome possible. Now, in the same way, you can't have spiritual freedom without the main ingredient. 
And I think the Apostle Paul is trying to make the Galatians understand what is the main ingredient. In Galatians 3 and verse 1, we're going to read a few verses here. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell, an evil spell on you? Or another translation says, who has bewitched you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his... The real children of Abraham then are those who put their... in God. I think what Paul was saying here is this, true spiritual freedom comes to those who learn to live by faith and not try to please God by obeying or keeping the Mosaic law. I think he's saying faith is the main ingredient of spiritual freedom. In Hebrews 10.36, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is what pleases God. So we have to learn to live our life by faith if we want to please God. Amen? Romans 1.17 says, For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Living by faith, I believe, is the main ingredient to living spiritually free. You know, I was thinking about this. Spiritual freedom, whenever you just say that, spiritual freedom, what is that? Well, sometimes we don't know what spiritual freedom is until we experience it, right? I mean, whenever I was lost, I didn't know I was all bound up. And then whenever I started experiencing the freedom of Christ, it's like, oh, wow. Man, I was, I was in bad shape. Come on, how many of you know having, having freedom in your mind is a wonderful blessing, amen? Having freedom in your life, not be controlled by addictions and different things like that. Man, that's a wonderful privilege. It's an honor. It's great to be free, isn't it, saints of God? So the bottom line is you can't please God and live spiritually free without living by faith. Now, the question is, how do you live by faith? Paul gives us three requirements or considerations here in Galatians 3, right here in this chapter. And I want to unpack those three. First, he says, to live by faith requires you to put your confidence in the message of Christ. How many of you know it's the message of Christ? And I want you to see Paul begins chapter 3 by asking the Galatians a series of questions. And with these questions, he's trying to get them to understand the importance of the message. We got to understand the importance of the message. It's not many messages, it's one message. And the message is Christ. Amen. In Galatians 3, 2, he says, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believe the message 
that you heard about Christ. In verse 5, he said, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So Paul is trying to get the Galatians to see that the reason why they were experiencing this revival, this spiritual renewal, their spiritual freedom, this breakthrough in their lives was not because they were obeying the letter of the law. It was because of their faith and confidence in the message that was preached to them. Amen. So how does that practically flesh out? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, confidence in the message of Christ means you have faith in the power of the cross. And so in Galatians 3, 1, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. How many of you know the, the cross is the power of the message? Amen. You know, whenever you think of Jesus hanging on the cross, being crucified, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? When you just think about Jesus hanging on the cross, well, you know, hopefully you think about his suffering, right? I mean, he was crucified, he suffered. But hopefully you don't stop there. But you also are reminded whenever you think about the cross is that on the other side of his suffering is the power and the provisions of God. Amen? Don't, don't stop with just, you know, listen, Jesus hung on the cross, but he, he, he was taken off of the cross and he was buried and he came out of the grave. Come on. And how many of you know, he's the ruler and reigner over the earth and the universe, and he's going to come one day and he's going to take us all home. Amen. So the power of the message of the cross, first Corinthians 118 says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Now, you know, growing up, we had crosses all over the place, right? We had them over the doors, the the, the uh, doors going outside of the house. I don't know if y'all did that, but uh, we had them on our walls. We had them in our cars. We had them on the coffee table. Uh, we Sometimes we, we had them in, around our neck, you know. And so I always embraced the cross. But, you know, to be honestly honest with you, I had no idea about the message and the power of the cross. If you're going to have, if you're going to have confidence in the message of Christ, you have to have understanding of the power of the cross. Amen. You know, in today's day and age, you know, they got some guru that comes up and says, I have a new opinion. And it's amazing how many people are bewitched. And they follow that message. My friends, there's only one that died on this cross. There's only one that shed his innocent blood. There's only one that gave his life for us. And his name is Jesus Christ. There is no other message but the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. People who have confidence in the message of Christ understand that everything God offers, spiritually speaking, is because of the message and the power of the cross. Amen. But, you know, confidence in the message of the Christ also means you can receive and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. In, in Galatians 3, 2, he says, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Paul is clearing up the question. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? He tells us right there. The Galatians had previously been trying to please God by obeying the letter of the law, but it didn't get them anywhere. 
But once they heard the message of the gospel of Jesus dying on the cross, they received it, they asked him to forgive their sins. All of a sudden they encountered and received the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul makes it crystal clear. It's only through understanding and receiving the message of the saving grace of Christ that you begin to experience and receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Can you relate to this point Paul is making here? I mean, can you relate? I surely can. I Listen, right after I got saved, you know, first of all, I, I tried I tried to do the good thing, right? I tried to be a good person. And in fact, I had this, I'm sure you might have thought of it like this too. As soon as I clear up my life, as soon as I get right, I'm going to go to church. And man, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And I just never could get right. Come on, anybody can relate to that? But, you know, after I got saved, it was amazing. Every time I came to church, man, they'd sing these songs, praise the name. And I'd be crying. But it wasn't a bad cry. It wasn't like, I'm so sad. It was like a cleansing cry. Come on, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was a good cry, right? And so I'd cry, and I'd cry, and I'd boo-hoo, boo-hoo. People would look at me like, well, he must be a real heathen right there, you know? But you know what? I started having this unquenchable appetite for God and the presence of God and the Word of God. Amen. And my passions and my desires began. I started changing. What in the world was going on in my life? Can you tell me? I got infilled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit working in my life. See, when you put your confidence in the message of Christ, you put your confidence in being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen, last week I mentioned you can't have Christianity without the cross. You can't have victorious Christianity without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you received from God? So the Bible teaches once you receive the message of the gospel of Christ, you become indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the purpose is to enrich, to strengthen our lives and help us to be like Christ. Acts 1.5 says, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. If you read over in Acts chapter 8, these Christians had been saved, so they were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know there's even another experience getting baptized in the Holy Spirit? I had an interesting thing happen to me Sunday. To be baptized means to be totally immersed and overtaken by the Spirit. Last Sunday, the second service, as soon as it was over, I was walking down the aisle there, headed to the lobby, and this guy steps out in the aisle, hands his, his, uh, extends his hand out, and says, Hi, I'm David Patch. I was here years ago, and as soon as he said his name, I knew exactly who he was. Because back at 30, I don't know, 32, 33 years ago, Doug Renard and I were, were headed to, uh, to Austin, Louisiana, to the Babbins house, to a, a young people's Bible study. And that night, David Patch, Brother Francis had asked this guy to come from Australia, and he was teaching the young people that night, and he started talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know, he said, like, you know, they got power in the lines, electrical lines, but, you know, the lines are not the source of power. They just a conduit. But you got to have a power pack. You have to, you know, listen, you, we are just the line. Jesus is the power pack. Amen. And he said, you know, so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but remember, you have nothing to do with it. It's the Lord's Spirit. It's God's Spirit. You're just the conduit. And after he finished teaching, he said, y'all break up in pairs and pray for one another. And I, I got with my buddy and started praying. 
And all of a sudden, I felt like somebody poured some hot oil on my head. And it just came over my my head and just... And so after we finished praying, I didn't want to make a scene in the in the study. I told my friend, I said, man, did you feel that? And he said, feel what? So you didn't feel that? Man. And I explained to him, I felt something so powerful. And he smiled and he said, Todd, that's the Holy Spirit. Then he explained to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you've heard me say this, and I'm not kidding. When I got baptized with the Spirit, you heard me say when we were growing up, we used to ride around in the parks on Sunday with our hand over the steering wheel and chill out, you know, Sunday, Sunday riding, cruising. I'm not kidding. Whenever I tell you, I felt in that kind of state 24-7. When I got baptized with the Spirit, I didn't know the kind of bondage and encampment and enslavement and imprisonment I was in. But I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God came upon me, brother, I got set free. Amen. Amen. So listen, if you believe in the message of the gospel, you got to believe in the cross. And you also have to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The second requirement to live by faith, first you've got to put confidence in the message of Christ. But number two, to live by faith requires you to believe in the blessing of Abraham. Now you can tell by listening to somebody talk where they are. Rather they believe they're under the blessing of Abraham or the curse of the law. And when people start talking like this, whenever they start saying things like, I can never catch a break. I'm always the one left out. I'm always on the short end of the deal, man. Just my luck. A day late, a dollar short. You ever hear yourself say stuff like that? When you talk like that, these are indications that you don't believe that you're under the blessing of Abraham. Now, let me unpack that a little bit for you. Those who live by faith believe the blessing of Abraham is upon their life. Amen? And so, in Galatians 3, verse 6, Paul explained it this way to the Galatians. He said, in this same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. How many of you like to be a child of Abraham? Put your faith in God, right? Now notice what it says here in verse 7. The real children of Abraham are those who put their faith in God. Verse 8. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. Now, let me just back up for just a moment. Abraham's children were Jewish people. Gentiles were anybody that wasn't Jewish. So the Jewish people believed they were under the blessing of Abraham. And if you were a Gentile, there's no way you could be under it. Paul's trying to clear that up. He said, God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Isn't that great news right there? Now, verse 9 says, all who put their faith in Christ or the message of Christ share the same blessing of Abraham. Hey, listen, I'm not Gentile anymore. I'm Jewish. I've been engrafted in. Amen. You want to know who my daddy is? Abraham. Right? Come on, who's your daddy? Abraham, right? What blessing is Paul talking about here? The blessing of Abraham. Well, you got to go back to Genesis. Genesis 12, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land I will show you, and I will make you 
into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. How many of you know Jesus came through the lineage of Abraham? Amen. So God pronounced a blessing upon Abraham, and God declared he would be blessed and be a blessing to others. And so that same blessing pronounced upon Abraham is now upon every believer that lives in the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not another message. It's not a, it's not a country club. It's not a special group. It's not a secret society. It's in the message of Jesus Christ. Anything else. You might as well spit in the face of the Lord and say, you gave your son up for nothing. It's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we can have the blessing of God pronounced upon us. I'm just a little passionate about that, as you can tell. Come on, how many of you are glad? How many of you are glad? As a Gentile, you got engrafted in. Amen. So as children of God, listen, we're not cursed. We're blessed with the blessing of Abraham. Let's read a little further in verse... Um, You see, living by faith means you expect to be blessed by God and not cursed. And in verse 13, he says, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. You see, you can't keep the law. Right here in this chapter, he says, the law was just a tutor. It was just a guardian. It was, you can't keep the law. It's just to show you that you need God. That's basically what it's there for, right? And when he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Man, I'm so glad. I can live under the blessing of the Lord, man. And listen, it's not because I'm so good. It's not because I'm I'm a saint. I mean, some of you know me better than that. I'm no saint, right? But thank God, it's because of the righteousness of Christ. Jesus took the curse on himself so I could live under the blessing of Abraham. I don't know how to do cartwheels, but if I could, I might just do a few right now. Amen? Because the blessing of God, and I want you to get that in your spirit. Let it get past your mind into your spirit. As a child of God, you walk under the blessing of God. Amen? So people who understand the shared blessing of Abraham, they don't go around bad-mouthing themselves. It says, always happens to me like that. I, I should expect that I'd get the short. No, no, that's talking like a Gentile under the curse. Start talking like you a child of Abraham and you're under the blessing of God. And this is what I think we should do. Begin expecting to be blessed and favored of God. Begin to believe every day that God's goodness and mercy is upon your life. Can I get a witness today? Come on, wholeheartedly believe that I'm walking in the divine touch of God on my life and expecting something miraculous miraculous to happen in my life at any time and at any moment. Amen. Amen. You know, I think about this, you know, whenever you leave and you drive out of this parking lot, mercy and goodness is going to be following you. Because you're a child of God. Amen. And listen, whenever you let that penetrate your, 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 your psyche, whenever you let it get into your brain and then and bounce into your heart, you got to catch yourself. I'm unlucky. No, no. 
I can't say I'm unlucky. Did Jesus die on the cross in vain? Of course not. He died so I could live under the blessing of the Lord. See, it's not arrogance. It's confidence, not in yourself, but it's in the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you glad that you're under the blessing today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, that's, boy, that's exciting, isn't it? Here's the point. Living by faith allows you to receive and live under the abundant blessing of Abraham. You know, Tanya said something yesterday morning that I thought was powerful. You know, like we, we live by past experiences. And if people failed us in the past, we tend to project that on the Lord. And so sometimes, you know, we, we were under the curse and things didn't go well for us. And now we project that forward. But listen, you are a new creature in Christ. Amen. Well, you're, you're not the same person anymore. Amen. The third requirement to live by faith is this. To live by faith requires you to expect God to transform your life. That's what faith is. Faith, Paul ends Galatians 3 by reminding the Galatians that we're trying to keep the Mosaic law. And he's saying it's not, it's not what's going to transform your life, as you can tell. He said it's putting your faith and your, and your confidence in the transforming message of Christ. In verse 21, he says, there, is there a conflict in between God's law and God's promise? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scripture declares that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So Paul makes three important points here. Number one, he says, we're all prisoners of the power of sin. That's what he says there. The scriptures declare that we're all prisoners of sin. But Paul makes it very clear. We have the same problem, and the problem is sin. We all have the same problem. I know we might look pretty good whenever we put on our Sunday best, but in our core, we got a sin problem, right? And in Romans 3.23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us has experienced the, the negative effects of sin in our life. That's what he's saying, right? But the second point Paul makes is this. Our problem of sin robs you of spiritual freedom. And he says, but the scripture declares that we're all prisoners of sin. Sin imprisons and enslaves us. It controls us and it keeps us from doing what's spiritually right. It's a problem. Paul understood this and he fought this battle daily. And that's why he says in Romans 7, in verse 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Can you relate to that? I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. For if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. That's pretty clear, right? So Paul's explaining, man, I'm living in prison to the power of sin in my life. But in verse 22, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He answers his own question, right? 
So the final point Paul makes here is life transformation only comes from surrendering our heart and our life to Jesus Christ. Amen. It doesn't come by attending church. It doesn't come by putting a few dollars in the box in the back of the church. It comes from receiving and walking in the power of the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. Faith is the main ingredient that makes the Christian walk and live in spiritual freedom. Amen. You know, I tell my story a lot because I want to encourage somebody. And, you know, some people think, Todd, you don't need it to be telling all these people that you were a drug head because they're not going to they're gonna think, I ain't following that dude. He's a drug head. Well, that's okay. I was a drug head. That's the truth. Parents didn't want their kids hanging around me because I was a drug head. That, that's my story. But then I heard the message of Jesus Christ. And I found out my sins could be forgiven. And whenever I asked him to forgive my sins, I became a new creature in Christ. And that was, I'm 56, I'm 22. What's that, 34? Is that Erath math right there? <laughs> but you know, you know, you know, it's, Jesus changed my life. And so now, whenever I go around and, you know, whenever I run into my classmates, in fact, I got a few of them here in the church, you know. But whenever I run into them, they say, what you doing now? I'm pastoring. They can't understand how I've pastored for 28 years. Like, who would follow a dope head? Who would follow a drug head? Man, there's some stupid people in this world. But see, they don't understand the power of transformation. They don't understand the power of God. Amen. And see, the only, the only reason I tell you about the negative sides of my story is I want you to know the power of the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus will change your life. Amen. Come on, can I get a better witness? Amen. The power of God, man. That's where it's at. Amen. Do me a favor and just stand. Stand with me this morning. How many of you glad you're a believer? You're a Christian. Amen. Amen. You got to hang on to the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. You got to know that, man, you're not cursed. The curse that should have been on you, that was on you, when Jesus hung on that cross, that curse came upon him. And so now you don't have to live under the curse of your forefathers, of what's been on your family. You can live set free through the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Have faith. Walk in faith means you know that it doesn't matter your shortcomings. It doesn't matter your character issues, whatever, whatever state you're in right now, whatever it is you're, you're, you don't like about yourself that you're frustrated with. You need to know there's power in the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? I just want to take a moment. Maybe there's somebody here that thought maybe if I just go start going to church, it would change my life. And you've been frustrated that you're not experiencing the transformation that you wanted. Some of you, listen, you were raised in church and you're frustrated with how the power 
with the you know the testimonies like what you just heard you you can't relate to that because you put your faith in something outside of the message and the power of Jesus Christ you got to be saved you got to be born again you got to receive the message of grace and if you're here today and you say Todd I don't know for sure if I've been saved if I'm a Christian if I've truly surrendered my heart and my life to Jesus Christ, would you pray for me? With everybody's head bowed and, and praying, if that's you, just raise your hand and say, Todd, pray for me. Pray specifically. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand right up here in the front. Anywhere else, just hold your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Just raise your hand and say, ma'am, I see your hand right over here. Just hold your hand and just say, pray for me. Now, those of you that have your hands raised right back here, ma'am, I see your hand. Just pray this prayer with me. We're going to pray it as a family. Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Lord, I can't keep the law. I can't obey perfectly. I fail. I need you. I need your forgiveness. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you wash me? Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your family today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, yes, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being so bold. Now, there's a little card in your pew that says, I made a decision. If you'll just take a moment to fill that out. We won't harass you, but we want to give you a gift. We want to pray for you. And so, you know, it's, it's don't worry about us, like, trying to, you know, do anything bad to you, okay? I mean, I mean, you got to worry about that in today's, right? So that's why I say that. We just want to give you a Bible and some tools to help you get started. And we're going to be baptizing in the second service. If you've never been water baptized, come out. Or, you know, go home and get you some shorts. Or we got some here. And, and we're going to baptize you this afternoon. Amen? But this is the greatest decision you could ever make. Welcome to the family of God. Amen? Amen. Remember, the main ingredient is faith. Faith in the message of God. Faith in Christ. Amen. Now, come on. How many of you today say, you know what? I think I bad my I bad mouth myself a little bit too much. And I, I just need to receive. I'm under the blessing of God. I'm not cursed. Come on. If that's you and you want to be honest in church today, just raise your hand. And I want to pray for you. And I got my hands raised with you. I don't want to be bad mouthing myself and act like I'm I'm poverty stricken and cursed. And no, 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 no. I'm a child of Abraham. Amen. Come on. Just raise your hand and believe with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that, Lord, you would release faith in our hearts that we're not cursed, we're blessed, we're favored. Lord, supernatural things are happening to us. The touch of God is on our life. We're going from blessing to blessing, from glory to glory. We declare that by faith in the powerful and glorious name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen, amen. Now, one last thing. You've been filled with the Spirit since you believe. Come on. I want you to just lift your hands if you have the liberty and freedom. And let's ask the Lord to fill us with His power, His transforming power. Come on. We don't want to live a powerless Christianity. We need to live a powerful Christianity. Father God, I need more of your spirit. I need more of your infilling. Lord Jesus, I pray as I humble myself in the front of this congregation, in the front of my brothers and sisters, Lord, I ask you to fill me with a new infilling. 
filling of the power of the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for filling me and everyone in this building right now. I release it. I declare it by faith in Jesus' name. Everybody that agreed said amen. If you need prayer for anything, come this way. If not, God bless you. You're dismissed.